speaking with Sharon Isbin, who has two new recordings. One is Affinity, and the other is Strings for Peace. This comes from when you you did a tour of India, is that correct? Well, this evolved from a friendship that began almost a dozen years ago. I received a message from Amjad Ali Khan, and he is India's foremost sarod player, the sarod being a metal instrument played with a plectrum and no frets, and he's sixth generations of nurturing both the playing style and the physical instrument itself in his family, and he wanted to collaborate, and I had the pleasure of meeting him. What evolved instead was a friendship over these 10 years with him and his two sons, Aman and Ayan Alibangash, also virtuoso Sarad players. And each time we would get together in New York, they live in India, I would hear their concerts and, and they would say, we're working on the, we're working on the project because Amjad wanted to compose something for us to do together. Well, after, you know, eight, nine years passed, I figured this is never going to happen, but I'm so glad to know them as people. They're wonderful and I'm so glad to know their music. But then one day in November of 2018, all of these ragas appeared in my inbox out of the blue. And I began to listen to them and look at the scores and was just overwhelmed by how beautiful they were. And Amjad said, well, that's good because we booked a tour to do with you in India in two months, in February 2019. <laughs> and I said, well, can't you make it a little bit later? And he said, well, no, we, we, the halls were available. We booked Mumbai, Calcutta, and Delhi. And this is the moment. Let's just do it. So... You know, normally I would have thought this is nuts, but I figured I, I am so in love with the music, I'm gonna move mountains and find a way to make this happen. And it came on the heels of just having done a recording or about to be doing a recording in January, a month before the India tour, with a Pacifica string quartet that ended up being released about nine months ago called Souvenirs of Spain and Italy. Right, we talked about that. So I, I didn't have any time in January. <laughs> So it left me three weeks before the tour of India to just go full force, throw everything else out the window and immerse myself in North Indian classical music. And fortunately, I'd been listening to it all my life. I, I, when I was in college, I'd gone to sitar concerts and had fallen in love with Indian music. So it was part of somehow in my subconscious DNA and I was able to draw on that and on the very brilliant notation that had been given to me of the score and to, to be able to listen to the, their playing and their other recordings and figure out a way to bring the East and West together. I think it didn't hurt that I had already been performing with percussion for almost 20 years. I had a duo with Gaudencio Tiago de Mello from the Brazilian Amazon. We recorded and played together for a, a long time, and, and playing with percussion was not foreign, it was very natural. So that was helpful, given that tabla would be such a critical part of playing the Indian music. I'd also played with a lot of musicians for many years who improvised, people like uh, Stanley Jordan from the jazz world, or tan uh, people like um, Nancy Wilson from Heart in the rock world, along with Steve Vai. So I wasn't afraid of that process either. And getting to India a few days early and rehearsing nonstop was so helpful. I was able to 
explore ways in the uh, the slow elapse. There are four ragas, by the moon, love avalanche, romancing earth, and sacred evening, each of them very evocative in their own ways. And three of them start with a slow intro where there's a lot of improvisation that happens. So just getting a sense of how to embellish the way they were doing, it was not that much different from learning how to embellish Baroque performance music with the great Rosalind Turek, with whom I studied for 10 years. So again, there was this unusual connection I hadn't expected. But the strangest thing happened that, that I never would have imagined was the night of the first concert. And there I was on stage opening the show with a work from Spain I'd played thousands of times, Asturias by Albenis. And suddenly I was hearing it for the first time in a way that I'd never heard it before. I, I experienced viscerally the, the sense of combining the Indian music that I'd been doing with, with Amjad and his sons suddenly with a vision, both orally, physically, and in the music of the gypsies from India that had migrated hundreds of years ago, taking their music, their, their culture with them across different lands Many of them landed in Spain, and some of, some of them became part of what became flamenco music. And that, of course, flamenco music informs all of the Spanish composers of our time we had come to love, from Albanese, Granados, Manuel de Falla, Turina, and so forth. And certainly what I was playing right then and there was suddenly now infused with this sense of connection across the lands between Spain and India, and I, I was just overwhelmed by this new revelation. Wow, that must have been really a, a, an incredible moment for you. It was, and it has stayed with me. <laughs> and you're so right. Um, it, it, it's taken hundreds of years, but you can, you can still trace back those steps and, and that path that that music and those instruments have taken across thousands and thousands of miles in 2,000 years, too. It's, it's really true, and I, and I didn't expect that to happen. But those are the, the surprises that if your, your doors are open, you can experience. Just a, a word or two, if you don't mind, about uh, the, the family here, the, the elder uh, Amjad Ali Khan and his sons, who both have his last names Ali Bangash. Um, I was, they attached a little article that, uh, I guess it was from the Hindustani Times, right. and it was a little bit about you and about them. And these two brothers, they, they just sound like two brothers who could be from anywhere, really. I mean, they just, they kind of tease each other and... Um, they also are just like any any uh, sibling or or son trying to make their own path out from 
under the shadow of their illustrious father. That's what it sounded like they were talking about. And they are duly respectful of their father, who taught them from a very, very young age to play. And in fact, Ayan has two twin sons right now, and he's teaching them how to play. So it is, I can see the generations continuing on and on, and having grown up with two brothers, older brothers, it just felt like a real family connection. They're such beautiful people. It was, it was great to be able to bridge our different cultures and life experiences and religions to be able to forge this, this connection. And you know, when they titled it Strings for Peace, that was a year ago when we went into the studio in New York. They had asked me if I would come back to India in September of 2019 to make an album. And I said, you know, that's the middle of monsoon season. I don't think that's a great idea. Why don't, do you, do you by chance have a couple free days when you're here in New York in April? And they said, yes. So I found a studio, we acted as our own producers and uh, they titled it Strings for Peace because they have a, a strong system of belief in the harmonious nature of the potential of humanity, of, of bridging all of our differences and coming together and through music bringing peace to the world. But we could never have imagined that it would have been released now at a time when the world is suffering from not only, as you mentioned, pandemic, but violence and different regimes and that we would need music and healing in a way more than ever before. And this music really speaks to that. Sharon, you have traversed so many musical landscapes over the years and interacted with so many different musicians and cultures. Is there any part of the world that you have yet to, to explore? That's a, a fascinating question, and I don't even know how to answer it because almost all of these collaborations and experiences have happened by chance, and I, I couldn't have planned them or predicted them or even willed them. So I don't know what the future holds, but I do know that the door is open and if something really compelling comes my way that I feel I can be a part of, I, I will embrace that opportunity. Yeah, the, for some reason, the, uh, the idea of you interacting with, a, with a, a Celtic band or something, that's the only thing, but you probably have already done that. <laughs> I haven't done that yet, but I do love Celtic music, so that might be a sign. <laughs> Maybe it is. In the meantime, two wonderful new recordings have come out that, uh, that themselves span so much uh, of cultures around the world and different styles of music, and uh, they are Affinity and Strings for Peace. And it's been such a pleasure speaking with you again, Sharon. Um, you know, as I've been saying in every interview, can't wait to uh, be able to see and hear you and other musicians again in concert and in the meantime we'll we'll uh we'll keep going with the recordings that we have 
Well, thank you so much, John. And thank you for taking the time to share this with your listeners and giving me that opportunity, especially to engage in the stories and, and the backstories about how all of, all of these came to be. And I, I do look forward to coming back to live performances and, and having that wonderful experience. All right. Well, have a wonderful day, Sharon. And we look forward to sharing these recordings with our listeners here in Portland.